Thanks for having me. Well, in some ways, 2022 is looking a lot like 2021 when we started out. Uh, I think we have many of the same challenges on the table. So we have, um, if you recall, we were already um, into the uh, inventory shortages and material shortages at the beginning of 2021. So that's still on the table. The pandemic is sadly still on the table. We're in yet another wave and news of other waves coming. But I would say other things have changed. So beginning of last year, we didn't have vaccines, you know, for the most part. Now we have, you know, massive vaccines and we're talking more about boosters and we're, you know, distribution of rapid testing. So we have, believe it or not, learned to live with the vaccine, uh, the um, uh, pandemic more so than we did at the beginning of 2021. So some things have changed, some things haven't. The, the economy is certainly far more resilient because we've kind of gotten used to how to live with these rolling waves and you know this you know we see months where activity pulls back uh, Canadians spend less time out in restaurants out in you know movie theaters we had started to go back believe it or not in 2021 but now we're back in the world of you know of, of staying home for a while and so we've we sort of learned to live with those ebbs and flows of spending money and you know buying things and then staying home and not spending money and ordering online so I think as we look to 2022, as we look ahead, unfortunately, those, you know, those patterns that we saw last year of, you know, of, of inflationary pressures when we're spending a lot on a very concentrated few goods. Meanwhile, those same goods are being, you know, supply chains pummeled by by various pandemic waves. And as we look now, the Omicron wave and what will that do to uh, to supply chains for things like vehicles? So we are you know, a lot of the same problems as we look out to the to the new year. But even from a, you know, from an auto, you know, maker and auto dealer perspective, I think we have learned a lot also how to, you know, how to manage in these tight um, environments. And they're not ideal. So they're certainly painful. Uh, but we know a little bit more about how to operate in a world of, you know, the pandemic being more endemic than um, what we what we saw last year. Well, I would first say there's a big bandwidth of uncertainty around that number. Uh, and I would say that at a fundamental level, demand is very strong and it had been towards the latter part of 2021 that we should, in theory, be somewhere approaching 1.9 million. You know, there are that many Canadians out there and, and um, you know, both retail and fleet sales that are wanting to buy vehicles at that level, at least I would say now. The challenge has been inventory and just not enough vehicles 
being produced to meet that demand. And so when we look to 2022, unfortunately, I think we're going to be in that, you know, inventory constrained world for a good part of 2022. So that will curb the final number of how many vehicles are sold next year. So I, you know, I tend to to tentatively have penciled in a 1.75 million uh, vehicles and not until we get to 2023 would I see us breaching that 1.92 or that pre-pandemic level because quite frankly it is it'll be the capacity of the auto industry to produce enough cars over the course of the year that will constrain just how many vehicles can be sold. It won't be that willingness or desire to buy a vehicle that that limits that number. But again, wide range of uncertainty. Certainly as we look out to 2023, already we're seeing the cost of financing going up. So we're seeing markets starting to price in inflation and they're starting to price in a maturing economic cycle. Uh, already uh, in, in 2021, we saw cost of financing going up and we'll see that continue through 22 and into 23. And we very well may be on the downside of, the, um, of growth by 2023. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you. Well, I think it's been a learning experience for all of us, uh, to say the least. I think we've all uh, had to adjust our entire approach to so many different aspects of our business that, to me, it has been a learning curve uh, beyond anything that I've ever seen in my 40-plus years as a dealer. So uh, I would call it a, a, a great learning year. Um, 2020 was a bit of a year of shock and 21 ended up being a bit of a, a, a an educational uh, uh, kind of a, of a, of, of a stretch for us as, as, as it was for a lot of different businesses as well. But in our case, particularly, it was uh, somewhat more impactful. Well, as much as we've now reached that threshold of what I call the tipping point in in favor of almost a disastrous inventory scenario over the last, uh, I'd say, 60 days, uh, as an industry, both as retailers as well as OEMs, we learned that we don't have to pile up hundreds and hundreds of vehicles in our yards and at, at at, at the manufacturing plants or in our yards at the dealer level for us to accommodate the consumer needs. Uh, and, and that was something that, quite frankly, uh, was, in my opinion, a, a bit of a silver lining in, in what we saw uh, transform as, as an industry that was so, so geared to always to having acres and acres of, of, of product kicking around and hoping that we turn them over as quickly as we could to one that is almost 
uh, almost, I wouldn't say quite there yet, but almost just in time delivery process. And the consumer started to understand that concept. They started to behave differently as we did. The key in the whole thing though was to make sure that we don't take advantage of it. And I think those who try to uh, adjust their business model to a different set of KPIs because of the inventory situation uh, in a positive way, I think we've all learned that there is a better way of doing business. There's a more uh, streamlined way of doing business. Uh, when I, as a matter of, of personal point of reference, when I when we built this consolidated uh, automotive facility, which houses eight or nine different brands, one of my biggest concerns was uh, what happens to all of our inventory. Well, that that concern almost dissipated throughout the course of last year, in that it became almost a secondary issue to the fact that we needed to ensure that we actually had enough inventory to accommodate our basic needs. So that was a huge, in my opinion, that was a huge transformation. I think we did learn a huge lesson in how to manage inventory, how to manage. And the other thing that we learned was uh, efficiencies within our operations and, and our people. Well, I think to say that I'm satisfied when we, as a as a group, as one a mid-sized group, have hundreds of backorders at the moment, I'm not satisfied with that. These are people that, in some cases, will need to wait months before they get their vehicles, and this tolerance for this type of uh, of, of timeline is is obviously not something that is going to be long lasting. People don't have, now with these days, they're accepting a bit of uh, leeway in terms of everything, whether it's you're buying furniture, you're buying appliances or cars. But at some point, there has to be a much better balance between the, the supply chain and its ability to produce the bare minimum. Uh, so if we learn one thing is let's make sure that, or if to, to answer your question, if I have one thing that I'd like to get back to is the ability to decide internally what those inventory levels and the, and, and the numbers should be as opposed to being at the mercy of COVID and plant shutdowns and chip shortages and all that. So that's what I'd like to get back so that we can actually adjust our businesses and our thinking and our overall uh, business model around a reasonable uh, balance between uh, the demand and the supply. I think it'll be a similar type of an environment than 21. I mean, we are starting the year with uh, challenges with more COVID closures, more uh, health issues that are hovering around our, 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 our various uh, economies. <laughs> and uh, so to that ex to the extent that, uh, you know, I would want to predict anything uh, going forward, I would say 
well, the first quarter, based on inventory levels, is going to be very tough. I know in our case, and I've talked to lots of colleagues, and they're all saying that the next 60 days, January and February, will be extremely tough uh, to accommodate the needs of the of the marketplace. Uh, it's tough enough to fill the back orders, uh, let alone those who choose to get into the market now. And COVID, we learned one thing we learned last go-around, COVID actually drove more of a, of, of, of a business, more business toward our industry as people shied away from ride shares and, uh, and, 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 and public transit and so forth. And we're, we're seeing a bit of that again just in the last uh, little bit. And so um, the other thing that I, I think is, is clearly a problem moving forward is our ability to uh, accommodate the, our needs when it comes to pre-owned uh, used vehicles. And uh, that's a market that's going to be hit really hard. The low, Obviously, the lower the supply at the front end, the, the less likely it is that those used cars will be uh, turning into turning around into the into market into a market as as fresh product coming in. Thank you very much. Have a great day. I'd like to thank both Rebecca and Shaheen for joining me on the podcast this week. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website. Just click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. That does it for this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.